uh, to get started. All right, good evening, everybody. Um, we are going to be dealing with the fascinating topic this evening of Aliyah. It is Parshat, it is Parshat Lech Lecha. So we see that Abraham is commanded to leave his family and everything he has to go to the land that Hashem will tell him, which we find out is uh, the land of Canaan. Canaan being the descendant, the grandson of, uh, of Noach, which we read in last week's parasha. And Canaan and all his descendants inherit this land, and that's why it's called Eretz Canaan, land of Canaan. But we will know it as time goes on. We call it Eretz Israel. So it'll be interesting to know exactly which point Eretz Israel becomes called Eretz Israel. Um, but as we go through, a question that you want to ask is that the concept of living in Israel has been uh, sort of drummed into us from our very uh, earliest you know, times that the, the concept that Israel is in our prayers, we mentioned it three times a day, going to back to Yerushalayim, uh, you should return to Yerushalayim, and you should blow the great shofar that bring people my Arba comfort to Aretz. So the idea that Eretz Yisrael is that the central part of the Jewish existence, it goes without saying. The question being said is that, is there a mitzvah to live in the land of Israel? So the reason this is such a philosophical question and why it's part of the, let's say, the philosophical uh, shiur tonight rather than being part of the halachic shiur last night is it's trying to understand where does the concept of the land of Israel fit within the Jewish existence? Is it something that is a very nice thing to do and it's very, um, very much part of us and it is a crucial, but it's not a, not a mitzvah per se. Or do we say, no, in fact it is, it's, it's, we've got to be there. And there's no justification for Jews to be living in the diaspora other than um, due to what we would call honest, due to uh, compulsion, that they're, leaving, <coughs> they're living in, in the diaspora because they have to. So they've been exiled from the land of Israel or they're in pressing situation. So I want to look at it from, uh, I suppose, two main perspectives. One perspective is going to be the... Uh, the um, you know, the, the, the historical mitzvah. And then we're going to look at it from a modern perspective. Because, albeit historically, um, living in Israel was very, very challenging. If you took for the last 2,000 years, living in Israel was very difficult and, dare I say, even uh, perilous. That to live in the land of Israel would be uh, life-threatening to live in the land of Israel and you'd have to sacrifice a lot to live there. Where today, living in the land of Israel has moved much more to inconvenience. That we, it's not that we can't live in Israel as much as we don't want to live in Israel. Because the vast majority of us who live in the diaspora are not doing so because it is impossible to live in Israel. But rather, the lifestyle that we want to live in the diaspora is better than the lifestyle we want to live in Israel. Now, should we be doing that out of a sense of guilt? Or should we say, no, there's no mitzvah to live in the land of Israel. So why should we do it? So before we go into the text, because the text is going to be uh, quite interesting... It's notable to say that, that the Rambam himself, Maimonides, never counts living in Eretz Yisrael as a mitzvah. <coughs> and this becomes, within the, in the commentaries on the Rambam, an incredibly perplexing point. Because why on earth did the Rambam not, not include it? Surely living in Eretz Yisrael, you know, if there's to be thought of something, how can you not count it as one of the 613 mitzvot? And the Ramban, who we're going to see shortly, is one of those who attack him and say he was wrong. You know, he, <coughs> he missed this. So there are a number of ways of looking at the Rambam. Why didn't he count living in Eretz Yisrael as a mitzvah? So 
you can go from the one extreme, which says, because it's not a mitzvah to live in Eretz Yisrael. It's a very nice thing. It's a very good idea. And it, let's say it would be <coughs> classified as what we call a mitzvah. As in, it's a good deed. It's a good thing to do. But not that one is obligated to do that. Or you could say it was so obvious to the Rambam that you have to uh, live in Eretz Yisrael that it didn't necessitate a mitzvah. He says there's a mitzvah to conquer the land. There's a mitzvah to build a temple. There's a mitzvah to, to eradicate the inhabitants that are there. So it, it, it's, it's self-understood that there's a mitzvah to land, live in the land of Israel. So you don't need it to say it explicitly. Albeit that that's the way some of the commentaries want to explain it, it becomes a bit difficult because you would think if there's, if there's one mitzvah that, uh, that we do count as a mitzvah, which is even more obvious, and that's the mitzvah to believe in God, which the Rambam does count as a mitzvah. So if you're going to say there's a mitzvah to believe in God, and you say, well, surely you could say, well, listen, if there's a mitzvah to daven, and there's a mitzvah to go bring korbanot sacrifices, and there's a mitzvah to do A, B, C, and D, all of this hinges on the fact that you believe in God. So why even count as a mitzvah? But the Rambam does count it as a mitzvah. So why doesn't he count living in the land of Israel as a mitzvah? So that becomes a big question in the commentaries on the Rambam. But on the other side, so the Rambam doesn't count it. The Ramban does. And the Ramban not only counts it, but counts it in incredibly strong words. So this is the verse part in Pashat Matot Masai. He says, And you should take possession of the land, and you should dwell in it. Because I gave you the land in order to inherit it. So you have to come in, in you have to come and take possession of it, i.e. drive out all the nations that are there. And we are shafting by and you've got to dwell in it. Now, lest you can say that the Ramban is just saying that uh we'll get the Ramban a little bit later. Uh I'll come to it in a second. But the Rambam goes a little bit further than that. It's not only does he say there's a mitzvah to live in Eritisha, he says, and this is a very controversial view of the Ramban, he says that mitzvot can only really be done in Eretz Israel. We have, broadly speaking, two groups of mitzvot. We have a mitzvah called um, a, a, a mitzvah that is Tluyabaaretz. So it's a mitzvah that is dependent on the land of Israel. For example, taking tithes. You only take tithes in the land of Israel. Um, build a temple only happens in the land of Israel. Certain mitzvahs that are very much specific to the land of Israel. And the mitzvahs that are all over the world. Shake lulav, put on tefillin, uh, blow shofar. These are mitzvahs that happen all over the world. Says the Ramban, no. All those mitzvot, every single mitzvah is only a mitzvah to be fulfilled in the land of Israel. Ah, we do all those mitzvot in the diaspora as well. I put on tefillin this morning I don't live in, and I don't live in Israel. This is Ramban. In order that we ensure that the traditions don't get forgotten, we practice them outside the land of Israel. But we don't fulfill them. You can only fulfill the mitzvot in the land of Israel. So that is an incredibly harif uh, point. Now he makes this point. Um, in a few places, but one of the places says is that so one of the Torah prohibitions is um, is marrying two sisters. You're not allowed to marry two sisters. Yet we see that Yaakov marries two sisters, Rachel and Leah. But what happens? So where does Yaakov marry them? He marries them in the diaspora, and he can do that. So why can he do that? Because he's in the diaspora. He doesn't have to fulfill the mitzvot. Ah, what happens when he gets to Eretz Israel? Rachel dies. Says the Ramban. That is all based on this fact is that you could not be, that you could have two wives, uh, two sisters as wives in Eretz Yisrael. So the Ramban is very kharif in it. Not only is it like, is it a mitzvah, is it an ideal, it is almost the mitzvah on which all of Jewish practice um, depends. 
<coughs> and the Ramban, you should know. So unlike the Rambam, Maimonides left Spain. He did. Fl- he fled. Eventually, lands up in Egypt, but he does pass through Eretz Israel and does not live there. The Ramban leaves from Spain and comes to live in Eretz Israel. Case gets to Yerushalayim. There is not even a minion in Yerushalayim. He has to import from Tzfat a minion of Jews to Yerushalayim. That's how desolate of of Jews uh, the land of Israel was when he came. This is 12th century. All right. <coughs> so says the Gemara. And this is just to highlight the importance of, of the land of Israel. Tanrabana, rabbis have taught us. So you've got a couple. He wants to make Aliyah. And she has no interest in making Aliyah. We force her to make Aliyah. And she still refuses. You can divorce her without giving her her Ketubah. Meaning that the only time a woman will lose her Ketubah, if she does something that is completely contravenes Jewish values. So if a woman has an affair, she loses her ketubah. If she behaves in a very unsinua manner, she loses her ketubah. And if she refuses to make aliyah, she loses her ketubah. And similarly, he omered la lot, she wants to make aliyah, and he doesn't want to make aliyah. So what's the halacha? Kofi motolalot. We force him to make aliyah. Vim love. And if he refuses, yotzi v'yeten ketubah. So then he, <coughs> we force him to divorce her, and we force him to pay her ketubah because she's doing the right thing and he's not. He omered, let's say, so they're living in Israel and she wants to leave and he doesn't want to leave. So similarly, we force her to stick around. And if she doesn't, she loses her ketubah. If he wants to leave and she doesn't want to leave, so we force him to stay. And if he refuses to stay, so then he has to pay her ketubah. So this idea of moving to Eretz Yisrael is so important that you can get divorced over it. It's a halakhically permissible reason to get divorced. So seemingly you look at that sort of idea and you say, must be a mitzvah. I mean, why else would you do it if it's not a mitzvah to do it? It's, uh, no, one, no one goes to Eretz Yisrael to eat falafel and have shawarma and, and, and pizza. You know, those things are all good, well and good, but that is not the reason we make aliyah. And the making aliyah is all based on this idea that somehow it is the divine will to do so. So that's how uh, the Gemara comes and says. So the Ramban, so he comments and says, and you should take the land. This is based on the verse that I quoted earlier. In my opinion, this is a positive commandment. He commands them to settle the land and inherit it. He gave it to them and they should not abhor Hashem's inheritance. And if it should enter their minds to go and conquer the land of Shinar and to settle some other place. All right, so they just say the Jews, they say, I don't want to in, you know, inherit Eretz Israel. They want to conquer another land and go there. They would be transgressing Hashem's commandment. And the rabbis have said the commandment to settle the land of Israel and forbade leaving it. That's what we just saw in the Gomorrah. Okay, and the woman is considered rebellious if she doesn't. It is from here that this mitzvah of commandment of settling the land of Israel has been commanded to us as this verse is a positive commandment, is a commandment that recurs in many places to go and possess the land. Okay, seemingly what we would call chadva chalak, very straight and forward, simple, at least according to the Rambam, it's obvious there's a mitzvah to live in the land of Israel, no matter what. However, one of the commentaries on the Gemara, a contemporary of the Ramban, we call them Tosfot, it's a group of rabbis that lived in, uh, the, in Provence, Spain, and uh, he's, he makes a comment on this idea that if she wants to go up and he doesn't, so what do you do? So he answers, <coughs> So, oh, well and good, the Torah comes and says, you've got to make Aliyah and you've got to live in it. So, yeah, when? 
when there's a temple, when there's uh, Jewish authorities in the land of Israel. Not, what, are you crazy to go? We've just been exiled. The Romans have just kicked us out of the land of Israel. There's nothing in Eretz Israel. It's a dangerous place. And you have to go live in Eretz Israel. Well, for what? None of the mitzvahs you're going to be able to do there in any meaningful way. So it says, it's uh, It's dangerous to go there. So he quotes in the name of Rabbi Chaim, there's no mitzvah to live in Eretz Israel nowadays. It's not possible to fulfill the mitzvahs properly in the land of Israel anyway. What we're waiting for is a messianic era. When the, when the glory returns to the land of Israel, then we've got to move into the land of Israel. But nowadays, you've got to be crazy to think there's a mitzvah to live in the land of Israel. Okay, so I just want to pause there for a second and talk about the word mitzvah. Because the title of the shir is, is Aliyah a mitzvah or an ideal? So the word mitzvah has multiple connotations. The literal meaning of the word mitzvah is a commandment. So commandment is you have to do something. That is when you command someone to do this. So you have to uh, put on tefillin. And you're prohibited, there's a mitzvah to not, you're commanded to not eat non-kosher. Okay, those are, that's the most literal word of the word mitzvah. And when we say there are 613 mitzvot, what we mean is there are 613 commands, you have to or you cannot. Okay, that's straightforward. But there's another kind of mitzvah, which is the way that it's colloquially used. Is uh, uh, do, me a, do me a mitzvah and, uh, and give me a hand or give me something. Uh, do me a mitzvah. So what do we mean when we say do a mitzvah? Often we mean do something good. It's, it's a good idea, but it's not good in a sense that, you know, if you pour me a drink, the goodness is that you're getting me a drink. The goodness is that somehow the chesed, the kindness that you're doing, is, is, is consistent with the will of Hashem. That Hashem wants that sort of, Hashem wants people to be kind. So Hashem wants people to be polite. Hashem wants people to be gentle. All of that is consistent with the will of Hashem, but it's not a commandment in the same sense as the 613 mitzvot. So we call it a mitzvah, but it's not really a mitzvah in the same sense of the word. So I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, so people, is there a mitzvah to visit the sick? So people say, of course there's a mitzvah to visit the sick. So, so it can't be a mitzvah in the literal sense of the word, because if there's a mitzvah to visit the sick, it means every time there's someone sick, we're obligated to uproot ourselves and go to the hospital. So there are people sick all the time. So we're all going to go to the hospital. If there's a mitzvah to go to a funeral, to levayat may to escort the dead, so then we'd all be spending all day long <coughs> at the cemetery, going to every single funeral every single day. If there's a mitzvah to have guests, so oh, so it's a mitzvah to have guests, so you have to have guests every single Shabbos and you can never close the door because there's a mitzvah. So those three examples, it's obvious that that's not, there's no mitzvah per se. But it is part of what we'll call Ratzon Hashem. It's clear that Visiting the sick is a good thing to do. It's what Hashem wants us to do. And so we call it a mitzvah. And it is consistent with our value system, even though it's not specifically commanded. Hashem doesn't command us in the same way as He commands us to eat kosher, put on tefillin. So what about aliyah? So the aliyah, there's no question throughout, dare I say, almost all of Jewish uh, literature, that living in the land of Israel is a very positive thing. It's, it's very, uh, very much something that we think in a positive way. But do we think of it in a positive way in the, in the literal sense of it is a mitzvah, it is a commandment, thou shalt live in the land of Israel, which is exactly what the Ramban said. 
Or do we say, no, it's not really a commandment per se. It's just an ideal. It's something that is very important and, and, we, um, and we see the value in it. But it's not something that you're commanded to do. And so that is a question which now what we call the achronim, the, the latter commentary. So you have two groups of uh, post-Talmudic um, commentators. You have the Rishonim, which are Rashi, the Rambam, the Ramban. And they all up until around the 1500s, mid-1500s. And then after that period of time, we have all the Achronim. Literally the first ones and the latter ones. Achronim go from um, the Shulchan Aruch all the way until the modern era. So, so listen to Rav, the Igrod Moshe. Igrod Moshe is Rav Moshe Feinstein. So Rav Moshe Feinstein passed away in the, in the 80s. So it's a very recent. And so he's living when there's a land of Israel, there's a state of Israel. Is there a mitzvah to make Aliyah? Now, he himself lived in New York. He's buried in Haram Anuchot in Yerushalayim. But he says as follows. First, I need to say that the vast majority of, uh, of uh, halachic adjudicators say that it is a mitzvah. But, But when I say it's a mitzvah, they're not saying that it's an obligation. It's not like tefillin that you have to make aliyah. Okay, says, what it is is what you call a mitzvah kiyumit. Kiyumit means that you do not obligate to do it, but if you do it, you have done something that is consistent with the will of Hashem. That is called a mitzvah kiyumit. There's no obligation. So uh, another example of this is there is a, uh, there's no obligation um, to build a house, okay? This is, but if you build a house, you have to put a mezuzah on it. So you can live your whole life in a tent and you never have to put up a mezuzah. No problem. But if you, but the, so is there an obligation to put up a mezuzah? Yes, if you have a house. But if you don't have a house, there's no obligation to buy a house. Same with tzitzit. Is there an obligation to wear tzitzit? No. If you have a four-corner garment, so then you have to put tzitzit on it. Then it becomes a chiyuv. But here we're talking about something. Is there a mitzvah to go live in the land of Israel? No. If you're living in the land of Israel, do you fulfill a mitzvah? Yes. Okay? Slightly different to the first two cases. But the idea has been that it's a great thing to do, but you cannot obligate people to do it. Why? So you could say that, well, you can't obligate people to do it because of what we saw in Tosfot, that it's not safe, it's dangerous, it's the like. Another commentator of a similar time period is the Tzitzliezer. <coughs> Tzitzliezer was the Rav of the Sharet Sedek Hospital in Jerusalem. He passed away only a couple of years ago. And he makes a passionate plea for the importance of Aliyah. And he says as follows, With the establishment of Midianat Israel, the, land of, uh, the state of Israel, the obligation to make Aliyah has become magnified in two aspects. First, the barrier and obstacles of the danger to make Aliyah have been removed. And so is the obstacle of the inability to earn a living in Israel to the extent of suffering to the point of starvation, God forbid. Meaning, it's not dangerous to make Aliyah. Definitely, you know, especially people who live in dangerous countries, but it's definitely not dangerous to, uh, to, to make Aliyah and to live in Israel. And from a Panasa point of view, so it could be a thousand years ago, you could say, you go live in Israel, you're going to starve to death. But now, you're not going to starve to death. You might not live in the same kind of house, the same kind of lifestyle, but that you're not going to be able to survive, impossible to say. With the removal of these barriers, the halachic exemptions that Poskim offer from the obligation to move to Israel eliminated. So everything that Tosfot said, no longer relevant. So that's the first one. 
Secondly, we can say that the current state in which Medinat Yisrael finds itself, that is barely gotten out of diapers and is surrounded by enemy sworn destruction, heaven forbid, there's a special obligation to arm ourselves swiftly and to quickly move to Israel and come to the aid of the Jewish people from the enemy that attacked them. Indeed, all groups that come to Israel, be they organized or organized, contribute to the effort to be indirectly or indirectly. So what he's saying over here is that not only is there no impediment to make Aliyah like there might have been in history, but more so than that, there's an obligation today because the greatest asset that Eretz Israel, Midianat Israel, the state of Israel has, is population. And every person that comes to Israel is, is adding to the security of Israel by what we call, let's say, chazaka. Chazaka is you come, you live. So possession is nine-tenths of the law. And one of the biggest concerns we have in Israel is the demographic concerns. The more Jews living in the land of Israel, the more stable and secure the state of Israel is. So the Tzitzilezer says in no uncertain terms that there is a mitzvah to live in Eretz Israel and everybody should make aliyah. And it, so, so where are we today? So there are many great rabbis who live in the diaspora. Um, and there are, you know, how do we justify it? So look at myself. So I'm a rabbi of a community. How do I justify living outside the land of Israel? So there are a couple of statements brought in the Gemara which give exemptions for people to leave the land of Israel. So we saw earlier in the Gemara that leaving Eretz Israel is, only, is, is not allowed and it is permissible to get divorced um, if your wife refuses to come with you or she is determined to leave and vice versa. So how does, what are the exceptions? So there are three exceptions, two, three notable exceptions. One, for educational purposes. Two, for uh, financial purposes. And three, for marriage purposes. So if I can't find a wife in Israel, dare I say that now it's the opposite way around. It's much easier to find a partner in Israel. Second one is that you, um, that you, Panasa, you cannot make a living. Now, Panasa doesn't mean you can make a better living in the diaspora. It means that you cannot make a living in Israel. You can only make a living in the diaspora. That's the second one. And the third one is education. Now, where does a, 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 the average rabbi put himself? So you'd have to say that it's part of servicing the Jewish communities, that it's part of education. The Torah is a reason that you can leave Eretz Israel. We see already in the times of the Gemara that there were two great uh, Talmudic academies outside the land of Israel and the Torah of Eretz Israel didn't quite flourish in the same way. That's why we learned the, the Babylonian Talmud rather than the Jerusalem Talmud. It was far more popular. But that being said is that um, we, we almost under duress live in the diaspora. That living in Israel is, is the ideal. So long as there are Jews in the, in the diaspora, they need to be rabbis to service them. But every rabbi, and, and this has become interestingly enough, one of the biggest challenges to the modern Orthodox community. So the modern Orthodox community is by and large the, uh, the, 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 the most representative of not only modern Orthodoxy, but of religious Zionism. And the problem with it is that religious Zionist rabbis make aliyah because they believe it's an ideal. And with the problem with that, it is has left huge voids and vacuums in diaspora Jewry, because all the great rabbis, teachers, leaders in the religious Zionist world make aliyah. It, it's fascinating when you go to um, you go to an Anglo community in Israel and you see the number of phenomenal leaders, communal leaders, rabbinic leaders that have made aliyah, leaving this terrible uh, void in the diaspora. 
and what has it done to modern orthodoxy and to Judaism in, in particular? So every time people make Aliyah, it leaves that void behind. And that void, unfortunately, weakens the Jewish community. So it's that dilemma. So do we stay in the diaspora and try to strengthen the communities? We say, listen, we're all supposed to be there. So we should all be up and leaving. That's what uh, Rabbi Riskin did. Rabbi Riskin, for those who know him, is the chief rabbi of Efrat, but he was the rabbi of a very prominent community in New York. And one day he said, I'm making Aliyah. Come with me. And he took a significant number of families from his community and they uh, didn't start Efrat, but they built Efrat into what it is. And uh, there are a couple of other rabbis that have done something similar. So that being said, so how do we conclude? So is there a mitzvah to live in Israel? It, says, it seems that uh, without fail, there's definitely a mitzvah to live there. Is there a mitzvah to go there? Is there a commandment that one has to, as opposed to when being there? So that is a debatable point. I do think it is something that should be in our minds. In that um, sometimes when you make a decision, just because you've made the decision doesn't mean it should sit well with you. So we are, those of us here in the diaspora, um, dare I say that most of us are not here under duress. We are here out of choice. And uh, going to Israel is something that's not high up on our priority list. And I think that should bother us. Even though we uh, might justify why we're here, we're here because we like the community, we're here because we've got a good job, we've got our family, whatever the case might be. In the back of our mind, it should bother us at the fact that we're not in Israel, especially at a time where we, we can be there. And if I look into, uh, you know, throughout Jewish history, how, what our ancestors would have done to have the opportunity just to visit Eretz Israel, um, not only to live there. And we do have every opportunity to live there, and we choose not to. And I think that is a, that is a question that everybody should uh, take a look in the mirror and answer for themselves. Anyway, that's the topic for this evening. Hope you have a pleasant evening. Hope you learned a bit. Hope you learned a lot. And hope to see you all next week. Laila Tov.